The scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Here we are a couple of weeks after Easter. Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. Some of us believe it with our whole hearts. Some of us believe it, but maybe aren't so sure. Others of us don't really see what difference it makes either way. Folks, this is the reality of being followers of Jesus Christ. Not all of us are at the same place in our path. Not all of us are at the same place in our lives or on our spiritual journeys. And that's okay. Neither were the disciples. Some of them knew Jesus was alive. Others sort of believed. They wanted to believe, but they just weren't sure. And still others just didn't really see what difference it made whether Jesus was alive or not. All they knew was that the man that they thought was the Messiah was now dead. And they were still having to trod through life at the bottom of the power chain. This Messiah that was supposed to put Israel back on top didn't do what they thought he was going to do. This issue of belief is an old one. How do we believe what we can't see? If we can't see it, does it even matter? If we can see it. Does it still matter? 
We're people that like to be able to prove what is and what isn't. We're the products of science and discovery of an age when we like to know what is and what isn't and test things to know. But it doesn't always work out as smoothly as we'd like it to. How are we to believe that a man who was dead for three days was revived, moved a stone that would have been too heavy for any one person to move, and then ascend into heaven? Let's be honest for a minute. If we didn't have some sense of belief already in our lives, that would sound like a pretty outlandish story, would it not? Those things just don't happen. Those things can't happen. But here we are more than 2,000 years later, still telling that story. There has to be something to it. These two disciples are walking down the road to Emmaus, and they're talking. They knew the Scriptures. They had heard Jesus say that He would die and be raised on the third day. And maybe they believed it a little. Perhaps when He was still alive, it was easier to believe. You really don't have to have much faith until you actually have to have it. But on this Easter day, these two disciples who had spent quite a good deal of time with the Messiah were having trouble wrapping their minds around the whole situation that had happened. They were discussing the events with each other. And I've got a feeling there was something like this. But, but he said he was the Messiah. We gave up everything to follow this man. We gave up everything. Safety, security, family. What now? He left us. And now we're in danger and we have nowhere to go. This man that they loved so much was taken from them. Jesus was the one whom the disciples had spent all of their time trying to learn from, trying to imitate. Jesus was their whole world. Now he wasn't there. We've had a lot of folks here in the last couple of years at Central to pass away in this congregation. And many of us in this congregation have had friends and family members outside of this congregation to pass away. There are times that after this happens, we just don't know where to turn. We don't know where to look. We find that we have a void in our hearts that we feel like we just can't get filled. And it becomes harder and harder to take another step and we start to lose focus. That's where these disciples are right now on this road to Emmaus. They don't know where to turn or what to do. And I'm sure that their faith at this moment is shaky at best. They find themselves on a road to anywhere but where they were. They're grieving together. They're supporting one another. In the midst of this journey of grief, a stranger overhears them talking and approaches them. He comes closer to them and asks them what they're talking about. This was a very bold thing for Jesus to do. How many of us have enough compassion for humanity to see a couple of folks grieving as deeply as these two disciples were, eyes red and swollen from crying, skin pale from anxiety and sleepless nights, and go up to ask them what the problem is? And to do this out of genuine concern and not just curiosity. How bold Jesus was being. I spend a lot of time in hospitals visiting folks that I know and who know me. And I find that it's still hard for me to open up that door and to walk in and ask people how they're doing. Knowing that it's not their greatest day. It's hard to see other people suffering. It's hard to approach them when they are. And then we... Uh, when we have to approach them out of genuine concern about them, we're opening ourselves up to the reality that we might have to bear some of that suffering that they have. A lot of times, we're just not willing to take that step. But Jesus on this Easter day is. He says, friends, 
What are you talking about? What's bothering you? What's wrong? And they tell him. They pour out their hearts to this stranger, to Jesus, telling him of their faith in Jesus. That they think may now have been in vain. They tell him of the women at the tomb who saw him and how some of the others didn't. And they don't know which story to believe now. They want something to hold on to, but they don't want to waste their time looking like fools. So Jesus does what Jesus does. He teaches. He draws these two lost disciples with wavering faith back to their roots. Back to the scriptures. But this time it's different. This time the ears of the disciples perk up. They listen with fresh hearts because this time these scriptures are being uttered from the tongue of the living Messiah. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. This is the first time that they've encountered the scriptures on this side of the resurrection. And it struck a chord deep in their hearts. They just couldn't get enough. Jesus was speaking directly to them. And while they didn't know it yet, that it was Jesus. They knew without a doubt that what they were hearing was coming from God. They couldn't quite make out the face of God yet, but these words were starting to bring the face of God into view for them. So they begged the stranger to stay with them, to eat with them. They want to hear more. They crave it. They need these words. They need this knowledge and peace in their souls that they haven't had in a while. They need this stranger to stay with them just a little longer. They need him to keep talking. So he does. Jesus gives these children what they need when they need it the most. He stays with them and he eats with them. And the three of them gather together at the table. And they're reclining together at the table and Jesus blesses the bread and he blesses the wine. And the moment that he hands it to them, their hands touch. And it's as if they were joined by all of those memories of the night when Jesus blessed the bread blessed the wine, and gave it to his disciples. And he said, eat, drink, remember, I'm doing this so that you may live. And they did, they ate, and they drank, and they remembered. And these disciples take the bread and the wine, and for a moment, everything is crystal clear. They see Jesus, they recognize their master. They've talked to the living Messiah. They've seen the face of God, and they know without a doubt that death is not one. Death has not had the last word. Their faith has mattered. Their faith still matters. It hasn't been in vain after all. And in this moment when the veil has been lifted from their eyes, they look face to face with the God of their ancestors, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. They know the Scriptures have been fulfilled. They eat the bread and they drink the wine and they taste God's love for them. At this table, in this moment of clarity, they feel God's grace in a new and life-giving way. Their spirits are renewed at the table with Jesus Christ. And immediately, they leave to go tell people of their encounter with Jesus. We're a couple of Sundays removed from Easter now. The huge crowds have gone away. Life has returned to normal. Many of us have started eating chocolate again. Are there any of us experiencing a lack of faith right now? See, it's easy to believe on an Easter morning when the crowds are big and all of our friends and our family are gathered around us worshiping God, it's easy to believe when the trumpets are blaring and the choirs are singing. But what about the other 51 Sundays in the year? What about the other 364 days in the year? What about, what about every day? 
Are any of us wondering what Christianity means, if anything at all? If this is where you are, if your faith is dull, if it's numb, if it's lacking, if it just feels lifeless, open a Bible. Get lost in the Scriptures. Spend some time in the coming days in prayer and in God's Word. Let God speak to you. You don't have to know every little thing about the Scriptures. You just have to spend some time listening to God. He'll do the interpreting for you, just like Jesus did for these disciples on the road to Emmaus. You just have to make yourself available. You just have to spend some time with God. And as God speaks, that veil over each of our eyes will be lifted just a little. And folks, spending some time in Scripture and spending some time in prayer, it'll get you anchored again. It'll give you a good starting place for your faith to get moving in the right direction again. And as you read through the Word of God, you'll experience His grace and His mercy, and you'll begin to start understanding God just a little bit better. You'll encounter the Spirit of the living God, and it'll lead you. It'll guide you. It'll give you courage and strength to go and to do ministry in Jesus' name. But most of all, as you read through these stories of Jesus and the disciples, you'll start finding that miracles happen when people sit at the table with Jesus. We see Jesus showing acceptance to those who had no worth in the eyes of the community around them. We, we start seeing Jesus accepting those people who were on the fringes of society. We see Him restoring dignity dignity to those who were spat upon by their brothers and sisters. We see Jesus holding up bread and wine and saying to the disciples, These are my body and blood, and they're given for you. We see God showing His love for the world at the table. Folks, if your faith is weak, if it isn't quite where you think it needs to be, or even if it is, coming to the table to commune with, commune with Christ and with one another can strengthen your faith. It can lift that veil of doubt and confusion. The love that you find when you approach Christ's table will transform your life. The story that we keep telling 2,000 years later it's a strange one. It's one that doesn't make much sense unless you have had an encounter with Jesus. But it's a story that people can't help but believe once they have encountered Jesus. It's a story that we can't help but tell others once we have had a taste of God's grace. Even when this story doesn't make a lot of sense to those around us, we know of its truth. We know that it's true because when we were lost, God found us. We know that it's true because when we chose to be slaves to sin and death, God chose to free us. When we found ourselves surrounded by increasing hopelessness, God found a way to provide hope to each and every one of us. We know that this story of resurrection is true because when we come to the table, as we will in just a few minutes, and we reach out for God's grace, our hands touch and the veil will be lifted and we will recognize the face of Jesus Christ. We'll see compassion. We'll see truth. We'll see grace that coming to the table provides when nothing else will. We know that He lives and we know that He reigns. And in that moment of clarity, when we see Jesus face to face, we will see His love. Here we are two weeks after Easter. Here we are about 2,000 years after that first Easter morning. Nothing's changed. God still loves us. Each and every one of us. He still gives us the grace and mercy we need to make it through another day. 
But more importantly, that grace and mercy that He gives to us is expected to be shown to everyone we see. That dignity that God restores in us when we come to the table is the same dignity that we're to go and give back to everyone outside the walls of this church. So go. Listen to God. Read His Word. Pray. Dine with Christ. And have your faith affirmed and strengthened. Let the veil be lifted so that you might see clearly. Once you see Christ clearly, you'll start seeing Christ in the face of everyone you come into contact with. Amen.